0: Good morning, church. It is good to be inside, isn't it? It's a tad cold outside. I, I know many of you have been traveling. You've come back from stuffing yourself to the gills with turkey and stuffing, and and potatoes and gravy, and and gravy and turkey and gravy and turkey. Oh, that was my plate, and uh, I, it was like a, a just an ocean of gravy over all my food and. Uh, Playing. They were like, wow, Marcy, you made a lot of gravy, and they're like, well, Barry uses a lot of gravy, and it's like half the pot for me, and everybody else shares. And I, I don't know about you, but Thanksgiving is a wonderful time of year, but it also makes you think of traditions. It makes you think of years gone by as well, and man, things change a lot, doesn't it? I mean... I think back just to 10 years ago when my girls were just little and and we were having all these little kids running around with their cousin. Now they're adults and some of them are married and bringing, uh, you know, significant others to the to the table and there's just so much changes. I, I was joking around on uh, with one of my cousins or nephews uh, of the cousins that were there uh, about Black Fridays and, you know, we were like, we were like scheduling because we're electronic kind of you know, uh, addicts in ways. Just be, he is worse than I am. You know, you can always compare that way. And and, and so he, we were like, I was like, 10 years ago, remember when we were at the Walmart in Colorado and I bought that big old plasma television? I mean, like, nobody even has plasma TVs anymore, but I, mean, I was like, that thing is huge. I was so stoked. I brought it home. I mean, Black Friday special, 52 inch. I'm like, it's huge. And I'm like, Nobody has plasma anymore. I'm looking at all the specials, and I'm like 52-inch. Uh, that's like nothing, 65, 70, 80. I mean, those are the, the big TVs now. And, and I, you, you can talk yourself into just about anything. I'm not going to say that I went to Walmart twice and walked around, but maybe um, that happened. But, but I, I resisted the urge and went, I need to be content. You know, there are a lot of things that change, and I'm glad. I am glad we've gone from black and white TVs a little square box about yay big with rabbit ears going out and maybe a channel or two and to what we have today. But here's the thing. When it comes to church, sometimes we can get scared of change and we're afraid of change and we don't embrace change because so much has changed around us. And you know, change is good as long as it's the right change. You know there are things in our society. I am glad it's not the way it was. I I was talking with a friend last night, and and we were just talking about how, as we sing the Pledge of Allegiance, and we we said the Pledge of Allegiance, sang our national anthem, and I was like, what part of when we founded our country was that everyone is equal in value? I wonder what part they didn't get. I like it. Just it blows my mind that some people were just possessions at that point. I'm glad that's changed. But you know, when it comes down to the church, the message of Jesus Christ has not changed, will not change. Hey, he said that the gates of hell will not prevail against this church, but I'm glad certain things have changed. And I remember as a little boy growing up in church and, you know, I wake up and I'm like, oh, mom's going to kill me after church. She probably saw me from the piano. Stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. Oh, oh, oh my, that's probably another licking. And you know, you know, there are times that it was just boring, I gotta be honest. And I'm glad that we bring some life. I'm glad that there's certain things that have changed. Methods need to change. But the message must always stay the same. Because the message to the church is needed today as it's needed. 2,000 years ago. You know, 2,000 years ago, as we've been going through this series, Be the Light, it's based out of Revelation. We're looking at Jesus' letters to seven different churches that are in the first few chapters there, and, you know, and not a lot has changed. I mean, look at this. I mean, busy church? Oh, there are all kinds of churches that are so busy, they free leave out Jesus, basically. He's getting get busy, and he's like, hey, wait a second, don't stop loving. You know, Smyrna, I mean, they suffered, and I know some of you have had a rough year. You know, when it comes down to it, that's been a part of living on this earth. And he's like, be faithful, even to the point of death, and I'll give you eternal life. To Pergamum, it was a confused church. He's like, you gotta hold on to the truth. Don't let it slip away. To Thyatira, the tolerant church, man, you think people are struggling with tolerance today and this whole idea that we've almost thrown truth out as we've allowed tolerance to come in and there's some things we ought to be tolerant of. We shouldn't be so hard-headed about. But he's like, wait a second, don't be tolerant when it comes to worldliness. Don't be tolerant when it comes to to wrong thinking. Don't be tolerant when it's going outside of the gospel. And, And then Sardis is a dying church and he's like, guys, don't give up. Don't give up. Today, we're going to look at Philadelphia, the growing church, and it's not the USA Philadelphia. We're going to look at one based right in a, basically in modern-day Turkey. Uh, it's just a few miles from actually Sardis, and, and their message was summarized really in this. Be careful where you put your strength. Put your strength in Jesus alone. you know you're not much different than I am when it comes down to this, if not careful, we put our, our faith in what we can do, what we can handle, what we have under control, what, what I have the ability, what you have the ability, and if not careful, we, we think we have a little too much control and we've given too little control over to him. You know, when it comes to where we are today, As you look around our community and the communities around us, i got to be real blunt, there are fewer Christians today than there were in the past, percentage-wise. Our our community, our our nation, our world is, is not being taken by storm with this message of the gospel that started being sent out all over, in fact. The church has been somewhat asleep, and, and we are becoming more and more of a non-Christian community. And the results of that is that even within the church, we start to struggle, and we start to like and, and even love and desire and want and covet things that, that we shouldn't. And so this message of the Word of God, there's not a lot that has changed. Oh, how we communicate it, is, that's changed a lot. But the message to struggling churches, to, to not compromising churches, to, to, to holding on to the truth, uh, to those who are, do you see that? Didn't, that hasn't changed. We still need it. You know, it's in times like this that it's good to know who's really the boss, who's supreme. You know, I, I need to know, and you need to know that... It, Jesus is the boss. Jesus is supreme. He's above all this stuff when things feel a little crazy. And, you know, just open up Fox News, or CNN, whatever it may be, you're, you're, uh, I, you know our world is so screwed up, you can lose hope and you can be frustrated. and I, I just need to know sometimes. and I need to be reminded. Jesus is above all that stuff. He is the supreme. He is the author uh, of this world. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And he kind of opens up this letter with a reminder that, hey, guys, I, I don't want you to miss this. I, I, You can trust me. I got this. So let's read the scripture together. Read it out loud, please. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message From the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David, what he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. Wow, this church in Philadelphia is, this was planted 150 plus years before the time of Christ, and, and they get this, the name that we actually hold on to today, we don't even realize where it came from. It was actually from this church in the Bible where, hey, about... Uh, it was like 70 years before the time of Christ, there was this ruler who was so loyal to his brother that he was given the nickname Brother Lover. And and, and that kind of became the nickname, and that came the meaning of our modern day, the, the city of brotherly love of Philadelphia. That's where it came from. It, they were a marked minority in this community. The Christians were a marked minority where they had Athens was known as, you know, just full of pagan worship and immorality and, and all the temples. Well, this was called the Little Athens. Kind of like we're the little apple to the big apple. They were the little apple because of all the, the, the pagan worship that was occurring here. And they just needed to be reminded like a kid who's probably going through a tough time. Hey, hey, dad's here. I got this with you. We're not, you're, you're not alone. I'm with you. And we need to remember, Dad, our Father is with us. And when it comes down to it, I may be weak, you may be weak, but who has the strength? Jesus has the strength. So he is supreme and he has the strength to handle whatever comes my way. See, he says, I know and I care about you over and over through these letters. Man, I need to know that. You need to know that. 2,000 years later, he's still telling us, hey, guys, I know. I got this. I know what's going on. I care about you. Let's read the next verse here together. Verse 8, I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Uh, This is a, a, a church that basically didn't get reprimanded for anything. And, and he's, even, he's not reprimanding them. You have little strength. It, it, it catch any, normally you think, oh, they're weak. They're, 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 well, that would be a bad thing. There's a marriage in the scripture between the brokenhearted, the humble, and the weak, and God. What do I mean by that? God draws near those who are willing to humble themselves and say, I need you. God draws near those who are not arrogant and proud and, and, and there's something about how he embraces the broken and the humble. And in, in our weakness, we find strength. Now that creates an open doorway. Talks about this open doorway in the scripture over and over. What, what is the open doorway? What is he referring to? It's an open doorway to make the word of God and the person of God, Jesus Christ, known to the world. It's always about that opportunity. You know, it's remembering that I'm not strong, but that even though when it comes down to it, I may have a little strength, he has all the strength. And and that's something I have to hold on to. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, second favorite in the Old Testament, I'll just put it that way, is when God says, hey, It's not by your might, it's not by your power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. I need to be reminded of that. You do as well. There are times I'm just trying to force, I'm just trying to get a hold of, and I just need to release it to him and say, okay, God, I'm not going to fret and worry about this. I'm going to give it to you. What is it in your life that, that has become too big for you, and yet you haven't turned it over to God? See, we have a big, strong God, and you ought to be able to ask big, big things of him not be afraid of that. See, often we look at the big thing and then we try and get a hold of it ourselves. Because to be honest, a little bit too much of our security is in ourselves. And yet, security, that's found in Jesus as well. It's not found in me. It's not in, in what I can do. It's not in the government. It's not in your family even. It's not in your bank account. It's not in your title. It's, it's found in one place. It's found in Jesus. He is the one, it says, it holds the key to your life. Oh, let's go ahead and read verses 9 through 10. Read this aloud with me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogues, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. Wow. i got to be blunt. I need to know where security is going to come from. Because just like the hearers here who were struggling with with hearing from the, it was what it's called, the synagogue of the liars. They were called liars. It was something that was... uh, confronted numerous times in the scripture. Paul wrote about the what would be called Judaizers. It was, it was a matter of, of taking what they knew and what they were comfortable with and then adding it to Jesus. See, that's a common thing yet today, this Jesus plus mindset. Jesus plus is a dangerous thing, guys. For them, it was, they, they had this, uh, guys who had the deeper secrets, supposedly, uh, it was a matter of, oh, we, we really got figure it figured out. And it, we have, we follow the law and the customs of everything, Jews, that we had, and then we add Jesus into it, and, and that is the secret sauce that really unlocks heaven, and, and no, the Bible's very clear, it's just Jesus, not anything else, it's just Jesus, Hey, it's just simply faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's we're saved by grace and grace alone. It's a grace that, that we are saved, that Jesus went to the cross and died, that we might have a life, and you can't earn that. See, the, the mindset was, is they were trying to tell the, the Christians here, is that Jesus, this God that you have, that he doesn't really love you. you got to earn it. you got to work for it. you got to... Kind of familiar today. Could I challenge you for just a moment? Hear me on this. You, You don't have to earn his love. You got the backwards of what's going on. See, we think, oh, if I'm obedient and I'm really good, then I get his love. And it's actually I get his love, therefore I'm obedient. Major difference. Hey, it's because he loves me, because he died for me, because I love him, I'm figuring out how to follow him and to do it his way, and it's flowing out of love. It's not a matter of being good enough to get the love. That's where we have to be so careful, or otherwise we start thinking it's, well, Jesus plus the Pope. It's Jesus plus the tradition. It's Jesus plus government. It's Jesus plus No, it's just Jesus. Jesus. I'm so glad that he whittles everything down and just makes it simple church. I'm so glad that Jesus brings simplicity to life because otherwise I sit down in the morning and I drink my cup of coffee and I'll look at the news and just kind of find out what's happening in the world and and I'll be depressed and worked up and high strung and frustrated and grumpy because I'm like, this world's out of control and, and it is. But I remember who is in control and who's made it simple. See, if people are in the church, it's going to be messy, of course. We do a lot of things to, to, to change the focus even within the church. We can just try and make it bigger and better, bigger and better and bigger and better and just make it fancy. And, and we do want to put our best foot forward. But you know, I'm just going to be blunt. We don't try and entertain you each and every week. We do want to preach Jesus. You know, I, I constantly try and figure out, how can we simplify what is it that we actually need to, to, to kill? And as may, may sound bad, you're like, "Kill oh, in the church, well, what pro- program, what ministry, what idea is old and just needs to go away? What is it that we're holding on to that needs to make things simpler so that we can just hold on to Jesus? So sometimes we have a great ministry, great program from years ago that was, hey, it was Wonderful. And yet it's time for method, that method to just go away and say, let's do something and make it a little simpler. See, life is busy, out of control, and I don't want you to be so busy you don't have time for God. You do that to yourself already enough. I don't want to do that at church, because there are churches all around the nation that just keep you so busy that Jesus isn't anywhere to be found in the church, but they're doing all kinds of social awareness stuff, and I, I, I want you more than anything else to love Jesus and to make him known. See, in the midst of this whole thing, here's where it brings it all down for UCC. It's just a simple vision of boldly bringing hope that we need to bring the hope of Jesus Christ above all else. That's just a simple thing. He brings hope. He is the hope. And, and what is it? You know, I know that there are all kinds of hard things to understand, things that we could teach theology that is important that we need to stay within. But you know what it all is whittled down to? You need to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. You need to love people just as you love yourself, as the Bible says, and you need to introduce those people to Jesus Christ. It's a simple command that Jesus has given us, that God has given us, and yet if not careful, we make church about me, about my music, about the style I like, about the comfortable chairs, or who has the fanciest this or that. And Jesus said, no, it's a lot simpler than that. Please be cautious. In the midst of all the confusion going on in our society, let's read verses 11 through 12. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. You know, in AD 17, this city just collapsed in a massive earthquake. They were known for having consistent, regular, common earthquakes. And so this this idea of permanency that he's talking about here is a big deal to the message. It's a big deal to the audience, and it really ought to be to us. He wants to preach permanency to us where he's saying, hold on to what you cannot, that cannot ever be taken from you. The love of God cannot be taken. he says, hold on to that because that's what matters most. You know, I think people leave the church on a regular basis because they have the wrong expectation of God on the way in. I know this has been true for me. When I fought God, it's because my expectation didn't line up with what the Word of God says. If not careful, we're, we're very much about a, a me faith, not necessarily a Jesus faith. And so then when things go wrong, it just it falls apart. Where in here does it say that all your problems will be gone and it'll be easy, escape-free life if you just follow Jesus? You know what Jesus said? He said, in this world, you will have trouble. He says, take heart, I've overcome the world, but in the world, you're going to have trouble. He says, there's going to be hardship, there's going to be all kinds of problems, there's going to be division, there's going to be all this and that. And then people walk into church, you are like, man, I need this forgiveness, I need this grace, I need this permanency, I need a God who will fix my problems, and eternally He absolutely will, and He will walk through anything of this earth with you. But if your expectation is to be fat and healthy and happy and set around, that that's the American dream, not the biblical dream and then the problem is is we throw out Jesus and we throw out the church and it was our own wrong ideas that led us to that see we're going to go through problems in this life you either have the choice of having Jesus with you or doing it by yourself I I choose to do it with Jesus and I hope that you will as well it's a simple thing See, it all comes down to a simple equation. This church was a faithful church. They had faith in one. It was in the person of Jesus Christ, God who became flesh. They, they understood that he died on the cross. It was all about their faith in him, not faith in themselves, not faith in their system, not faith in their traditions, not faith in their law, just faith in Jesus. And out of that loving relationship, they learned to be obedient And they started to be obedient out of that. And as they followed God's way, as they tried to put God's way before their own ways, it opened up all kinds of opportunities to be able to share the gospel. And and so it's faith plus obedience is going to give you opportunity to do what the church is all about. The church is all about this. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, church. As one pastor, Oswald Smith, said, any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. Think about that. Is that a kind of church that you're drawn to? Is that the church that you want to be a part of? Is that your church? Or if not careful, have you made church about how comfortable and whether you get your way and how big of a name do you have and, and who knows your name or this or that? See, I he came to seek and save me and you and the next and the next. And the church is one generation away from being extinct if we are not faithful in what we do. He's like, this is so important. He was telling it to them as it is today. He's like, in verse 13, it says this. He's like, if anyone with ears must listen to what the Spirit says here and understand what he's saying to the churches. He's like, just like when your mom would say, hey, are you listening? Jesus is like, if any send a letter, are you listening? It's like, I got a message that I want you to hear. It's a simple message. And I came to seek and to save the lost, and now we are to go. Just imagine, I mean, this community was a gateway in many ways to influence the world with Greek culture out of Philadelphia. Manhattan is a gateway to the world. No, we're just Manhattan, Kansas. No, we're a gateway. With with Kansas State University right here, with Fort Riley right here, people are coming through our doors and then going around the world constantly all over. We have exchange students and military and those who are going out all over. And I hear back from how how they're going out and what's happening in their lives and, and every place that you can just imagine. It's so cool to have the voice that we do. So now my challenge to you, can you imagine what it would be like if we really got serious about it? If we took this message and we said, okay, I'm in. I Imagine the doors that could be opened for ministry, the opportunities to expand the gospel. If we would just hold on to this truth, be strong in him, not ourselves, and say, okay, here you go. How would that affect whether it be what we do during the week, to how we treat our spouse, to to the opportunities we have at work, to how we spend our money, and do we empty it all out on Black Friday and have nothing left at church to be able to say, I want to expand the gospel. What might happen in your life if we all got serious about this? said, okay, I'm going to stop playing, Christian, and I'm going to just be a faithful disciple, follower of Jesus. See, that's a church I want to be a part of. And I have to work at it each and every day as you do as well. Because you and I are way more selfish than what we want to admit. All I had to do was hit another Black Friday and see how quick, how quick my heart is drawn. May your heart, may my heart be drawn for what matters most. Making the name of my Savior, your Savior, known. I sure hope you know him, because he'll change your everything. He'll change your eternity. Dear God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus Christ for your goodness, for your faithfulness. And I ask that you would open the heart of every person here for the lost individual who's, who's wondering whether this, this ancient message has any meaning. Would you please open their heart to realizing that this message... It's to a people and it hasn't changed in 2,000 years and they need it today just as much as the Church of Philadelphia did. If they've seen the church to be outdated and ancient, God, would they see a love for you here that could draw them to a loving God that could change their life? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would awaken the heart of each of us those who claim you as Lord and Savior, to really say, what does that look like? And to just lay it all down and say, here's my life. You are number one, God. To name above all names. In the name of Jesus, we come before you. Amen and amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to go into a time of invitation. And this is a time in which I want to challenge you to say, what about the message, the word of God, Am I to take from this and put into here? See, we all have that. I've been convicted, and I know that God has convicted you on something as well if you'll just... But listen, his conviction is never about shame. It's about wanting the best for us. Because whenever you take the bait of Satan, when you take the bait of this world, it's always for something lesser that tastes good, but it's like that mousetrap we talked about earlier in this series. Tastes good, then wants to kill you. I, 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 his message may be sometimes even bitter, as it says on the Bible. It may not taste good right at first. You're like, sacrifice, give up, follow him, take up my cross. But it leads to life, and it leads to goodness, and it gets better and better and better. If you're here today, and it's been a hard year, and you'd like to talk with someone, you'd like to pray about it. You know, we have a prayer team in the back right-hand corner, your right-hand corner, both the balcony and the main level. We'd love to talk to you about what does that look like? What's going on? Or just if you just say, man, here's my mess, we'll just pray with you. Know this. He is a faithful God. And you are his child. Let him be your, let him be your father.